Hello and welcome to The Two Dyspraxics. I'm Matthew Munson. And I'm Barbara Neal. Right, so today we are going to talk about our best moments, and that can be best moments in any way, shape or form, can't it? So whether it's career or um, just something exciting that's happened, some kind of achievement. So do you want to kick off with this one then, Matthew? Uh, yeah, it's right, because we were just talking and, and I, I said it's, it, well, actually, you know, to be fair, you said as well that, you, you know, in in a person's life, there are so many best moments, how do you whittle it down to two or three or four? And you can't necessarily, but yeah, there's, there's always highlights in every person's life, but... I think well, I think one for me has got to be um, being published, being a published author, um, because for me writing uh, is a passion. It's not just it's not just a little hobby that I do just because I feel like having a bit of a laugh. It's something I care about and I really am passionate about. Um, and, and when I first had an email to say, you know, by a publishing company, we're going to publish your book you know, I'd been working really hard for a long time to try and get to that point when my book was good enough and my writing was hopefully good enough to be accepted. And there it was. I'd been accepted. I was I was going to be on a bookshelf in all the famous bookshops on Amazon, everywhere. And I wish I could... I can still remember that now when I was... Well, it's 15 years ago, so I was probably mid-20s. And, it, oh, it was a beautiful feeling. It was amazing. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I've, I've got one, actually, that's um, also writing-related. Oh. And it's when I first discovered it was my first attempt at writing a novel. The novel is absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good, it's good for propping up a table. I mean, I have to say I have written novels since then that I'm – quite proud of (laughs) but that one's not it was my first attempt but um but I discovered something amazing while I was writing it um because it was during NaNoWriMo which um we will certainly be doing a podcast just on NaNoWriMo because it's Mm. such a big subject but um and it's basically there's a challenge to write 50,000 words in a month and um it was during that so there's lots of um forum you know there's a forum where you can compare notes with people while you're writing and taking part. So there's lots of camaraderie, I think you can say. Mm. And I discovered that I was writing to find out what was going to happen next. <laughs> which was, and that was such a revelation to me. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, so I got, got onto the forum straight away and I said, this is incredible. I am writing to find out what happens next. <laughs> yeah, and there were people who'd done this before, and they, they were kind of very sage, like, ah, oh, yes, <laughs> you <laughs> novice, <laughs> you've reached that stage then. <laughs> Welcome so, into the folds. Yeah, I know what you mean. But that was just such a revelation because reading to find out what happens next, yes, of course, we all do that, but, uh, but writing to find out what happens next, I was just so gobsmacked that that was well, a re- thing I, I think because we always feel and we were you know we always every, everyone readers writers you always assume that these brilliant writers you know whether it's Stephen King or James Patterson or John Grisham or who it might be you think okay they've got it completely mapped out from the first sentence to the last last full stop it's all organized and some yeah. writers do do that but there are a lot of writers out there who just go right I've got this idea let's see where it ends up 
And I think if, because well, it's more than just that, it's giving yourself permission to just go, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to yeah. give it a go. Yeah. And, and, and as soon as you allow your imagination to open up like that, I think it opens up your abilities a lot more. It definitely. And I, I think also the characters take on a life of their own without doubt. So the characters tend to dictate which way they go, you know, and that's, yeah. that's a revelation. I, I think I've probably said this before, but I feel like a, a bit of a kind of literary midwife, you know, we're, um, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're kind of giving birth to characters and, and their stories. And, and then it just, just kind of takes off from there, which is why writing is such a fabulous thing. Creative writing is such a fabulous thing to do. Yes. Yes, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, it gives us permission to be open, definitely. But yeah, that's a good that's a good point, Bob. Yeah. But what about another one from from you in, right. in any field really? Okay, well, obviously having my sons, you know, that just goes without saying because they are best moments, you know, having those sweet little things that grow up into strapping great lads. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, that's fabulous. So so I think yeah, I don't need to go into that because that just goes without saying. It's a given. Yeah. Um, but I think when I discovered that I actually could take half-decent photographs because um, it was being an opportunist, <laughs> which I definitely am, um, there was an opportunity to study photography at AS, AS level and it was a freebie. So I thought, yeah, why not? Yeah, Because at the time I got into... Um, appreciating other people's photography but it was Victorian photography I really got into thanks to Julia Margaret Cameron and there was one particular photograph of hers that was sorry I'm digressing like Billy oh, I'm sure I'm sure of that but um, there was a photograph she took of Ellen Terry the actress and it looked as though it could have been taken in the 1970s it wasn't at all stiff and starchy like so many victorian photographs were really? and that really really turned me on to her work and so when i had the opportunity to take the as level course for free at the local um high school i decided to take it and i thought i don't know if i'm going to be any good at this you know i'm rubbish at taking snaps and then it just fell into place so so i discovered well actually yeah, you know, that's not bad and I'm pleased with it. So, um, you know, from then I, I joined a camera club and I've exhibited and sold um, some of my fine art photographs and stuff. But during the course of the fam the, famera, the camera club, um, something amazing, this, this was definitely a very memorable moment because we used to have competitions regularly at the camera club. There was one particular competition where... Um, it was open to all camera club members because they were divided into categories. So you had like your super duper photographers and they're not quite so super duper. <laughs> I was in the latter category at that time and um, it was open to all members. So there were over a hundred entries in this competition. There were three prizes, um, first, second and third, obviously. And um, so they had somebody who came from outside the camera club who didn't know um, whose whose work was which so it was all sort of done blind if you like you know went through all these photographs and um so there was the chairman of the camera club at the time had the names and um and titles and so on that were associated with each of these photographs right and so the you know I was sitting there and, and watching this with interest and some of my well I, I put three entries we had a maximum of three entries each 
and I put three entries in. So um, it was when he said, right, I'll hold that one back. And I thought, wow, that's one of mine. You know, and, wow. he held it, and he ended up holding back all three of mine and then going through the ones he'd held back. And to cut a long story a little bit shorter... I got first, second, and third, wow. which had never been done before. In the oh my goodness! In its hundred-year history, and I was when um, they'd said, right, third prize goes to you know goes to me, um, second prize goes to. So I thought, please don't let me be first as well, because I was I was heading towards extreme embarrassment. Yeah, all three, and um, and I did get the first prize as well. So. That was, and the guy who, who actually, the judge of the competition said, I didn't know, I swear I didn't know, he's holding both hands up. You know, it's like, it's not a fix, folks. So that was, I mean, I have to say, I was extremely embarrassed about getting all three, but but incredibly proud at the same time. I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can understand why you'd feel embarrassed. I think I probably would be as, as well. But, of course, it was completely neutral he didn't know who was whose so you you got it on merit it was clearly well deserved <laughs> go for it I mean that's an absolutely phenomenal experience to go through it was it was and it it stayed it became a bit of a buzz in the camera club for a few weeks you know so that was and I have to say I did quite enjoy that glory a bit <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but uh, yeah but that was amazing yeah to have gone from oh, I, I can't do that, you know, seeing Julia Margaret Cameron's photographs and thinking, well, I, I can't take photographs like that. To, um, and also I have to say, when it came to exam time for the AS level at the school, um, my tutor said to me, um, well, he'd, he'd said to all of us, first of all, if there's anything, any photographer whose work we'd like to emulate to take it in, you know, and he'll happily sort of help us to recreate it. And I took one of my photos in and um, because I'd taken it at home with the digital camera and we were using um, analogue and doing our own um, developing in the mm. class. So I took this digital photo in and I said to him, can I use this photograph in the exam? And so he said, yes. He said, so you'd like to copy this. So how do you want to go? So I said, no, no. Can I use this actual photo? And he said, you took this. So I said, Yes. So he said, you took this photograph? So I said, yes. So he said, he uttered an expletive and then said, well, you've passed, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a moment as well. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, so, so from then on, I sort of reassessed my own opinion of whether or not I could take decent photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also re realising that that actually you you could do it because I think I think it's almost having that permission to yourself to go, oh yeah, I I can do this. It's okay to think that I can do this as well. Yeah, well, it's okay to try. You know, that's the important thing because I'd assumed I wouldn't I wouldn't make a photographer. And just on a very very, I mean, I'll, I'll keep this quick because you know, obviously, we want to go on to your next one. But mm -hmm. um, I've done something similar recently because I've always assumed I can't paint. You know, we have artists in our family. And same thing, actually, being a born opportunist, there was um, an opportunity to take part in a local art class for mm. a certain age. And uh, that was free of charge as well. So I thought, oh, why not? I might enjoy it. My goodness, am I enjoying it? The painting, I'm just loving it. So 
I've only produced two um, paintings so far and, um, and I'm very pleased with both of them. <laughs> so I think, well, actually, I can paint. <laughs> and I gave them both to my mum and she said, she said this morning, we'll get those framed, you know, and we could so, wow, you know, that's... Uh, they're not brilliant, you know, they're not brilliant. And I've got to the point now where I'm thinking, well, actually, I could have done that slightly better. I should have changed that a little bit. But um, so I'm becoming critical. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a great artist or anything like that, but I can paint and I know I can paint because I actually tried it instead of just assuming I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you try it, I mean, I've said that before, you know, I, I, I don't, I haven't tried these things, but yeah, again, how do you know unless you try Exactly. It's always worth a try. And if it doesn't work, so what? Then you know, yeah. sure, you know you, you've tried it. You know, and it's, um, I think it's a very good, healthy thing to step out of your comfort zone now and again. I actually mm. quite enjoy doing that. Yeah, I, not I, I agree. Not massively agree. out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of like, um, oh, I don't know, this, what is it? They call it sky running, where people jump from one high building to another. I wouldn't do that. That would be... Far too far out of my comfort zone, but yeah, within reason. Yeah, I'll say there, 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 there's out of the comfort zone, and then there's just insanity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. what's what's your next best moment? Um, well, again, I mean, there, there's there's two. I'll I'll do one. I'll do one now, and I'll do one in my next term. But again, it, both of them actually link to um, stepping outside comfort zones very much. So, um, now that you said that, the first one is. I mean, like like you, I'm a parent. Um, only once, you know, <laughs> you've been a pet your parent three times. Yeah, <laughs> once is enough for me. <laughs> um, um, and, and I think for me, it's the it's it it's, the, it's been the process of becoming a parent. Yeah, and actually thinking, oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe this is going to be okay. Um, and what I mean by that is is I mean, I was, how old was I? I was 37 when I became a parent um, because obviously my son's adopted. He came to, he, I, he wasn't genetically, as it were, the traditional route, but he came to me through adoption. And so he was seven, eight when he, he came home. And, and you have that moment when you're kind of staring at each other and you think, okay, we've got to make this work. And, and we want to, I want to, I'm invested in this. I want to make this happen. And you think, okay, you've you I've I've worked for this for the past 18 months. I've been through all the all the training courses that were to go on, I've filled in all the forms, had all the interviews, done all the work that I need to do to prove that I'm a good and fit person to be allowed to be a, a parent through adoption. Um and now I am. And now this eight-year-old lad is stood in my hallway, our hallway, going, All right, you're my dad, are you? Okay. How are we going to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is that. I can remember it clearly. Think that moment, thinking, "Oh God, this is this is huge." And I, I knew logically it was huge beforehand. I absolutely knew that. But then you think, okay, I guess you, you, you probably knew it, but at that point you felt it as well. That's that is that's a really good way of saying it. Yes, I, I felt it in a deep way that you can only intellectualize until until your child comes along. And you know, I think I, I look back now over the last what two and a two and a bit years, two and a half years that we've we've been a family, 
And I think in just two years, the second year of that, so half of our time being a family has been in and out of lockdown. Yeah, and so in at the deep end in many yeah, ways. Absolutely. Do you, and I think if, if I, the person I was when I was, say, 30, before I was really thinking about being a, being a parent properly, if I'd have known then, right, okay, there's going to be a lockdown between this time and this time, I'd have gone, right, okay, either I'm going to do it after or I'll do it way, way, way before. Of course, that's, you know, you're intellectualising as a 30-year-old and you just think, and, and you just do it. You just get on with it. You just you just deal with it. And what I'm not saying is I'm not saying I'm a model parent and I'm a perfect. I'm saying that I'm a parent and a human being. And I just... I just figured that I, I realised that I am no better or no worse than any other parent that's out there that's just plodding along. And I thought, I, I can blooming well do this. I've got, I've, I've got this, you know, I, I say I have, I have wobbles and mistakes and I'm thinking, oh my God, what's going on? But I can remember that moment after about six or seven months of, of Brian coming home and thinking, oh, Oh right, I've got this right. Okay, I've got an answer for that. Oh, when Brian was having a bit of a bit of a difficult moment, oh oh, I can deal with that. I've got that. I can I can I can react to that, and I can help him with that, and I can we I can guide him through that. Oh oh oh, it feels natural. Oh, I've got it. In the, <laughs> and the next moment, oh god, I've missed that one. Oh god, I made a mistake there. Oh, hang on, that's normal. <laughs> as soon as I'd yeah. gone through that roller coaster. And out the other side, I was like, oh, right, this is normal. Okay, it's fine. It's fine, everyone. I've got it. <laughs> yeah, I think when you can relax about it, I mean, my experience of parenthood obviously is very different because I've known my three from there from the outset. Yeah, well, indeed, yeah. Different. But, uh, yeah, such a rewarding thing to do. Yeah. Out. Yeah, I mean, how, how, how you parented three times, Barbara, I do not know, but... <laughs> for that, but... <laughs> Sometimes in the past, I have asked myself the same question. <laughs> no, I love them all dearly. Of course, I do. <laughs> oh dearie! Oh, no. so, did you say you've got two? Moments? Oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do my other one, then, and then I'll, I'll pass back to you if that's okay. Um, the the other one that it, it evokes a really strong kind of emotion in me is. It may, it may sound bizarre, but it, it does evoke strong emotions in me. Are my marathons that I've done um, in the past, I think because because of my dyspraxia, because of of everything like that, I never thought, I never found a sport or a physical activity that I was interested in. You know, I mean, sport doesn't interest me anyway. I've got to be honest, but I never found an activity like that that I I, I wanted to do that I I had a, a passion for, and and then through various very strange mean, means I can't entirely process even now I found myself agreeing to do a walking marathon um with a with a friend of mine and I don't know why I agreed to do it at that moment thinking I can't do this I've got to walk 26.2 miles around central London at night what the hell am I doing it, it took us about I don't know 10 or 11 hours, I think, to do it in total, maybe slightly less than that, maybe about nine or 10. Took us ages to do. But at the end of it, just getting home later that on that Sunday afternoon, collapsing into bed and just sleeping for ages, there was something about it that was just phenomenal. And I did it. You know, I got to the end. I didn't stop. And 
I went back the following year and did another one. And then I did two the following year. And then I did four the year after that. <laughs> and then I saw a bit of sense and scaled it back and just did two a year. Um, and, and then I kind of got to the point, point obviously, becoming a, a, a father was was going to take priority. Being a single parent, it's difficult to then kind of do all the training and, and, and everything as well. And so I kind of gone, okay, I'm going to take a break for a few years and then go back to it and find older. Um, but actually then also last year, Oh, no, not last year, two years ago before the pandemic, because he didn't do it last year, I actually did one by myself because my friend had, had moved down to me near our family further down the coast. Um, but I actually did one uh, completely by myself. And that's a new, that was just a skill and a passion that I thought, oh, my God, oh, okay, I can do that. All right. <laughs> yeah, did you find then that when you were doing it with, um, it was with Di, wasn't it? That's it, Di, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when you were doing it with Di, it's kind of like you're, I mean, I, I don't mean this in any derogatory way, but you're kind of leaning on her because she's there. and so Absolutely. That, yeah, you're quite right. Because, yeah, yeah, and then, and then suddenly you're doing this and it's your achievement, so you can own that achievement, which must have been a fantastic feeling. Yeah, and I think it is, it is that difference. Cause, and also you, when you're doing it with somebody else, there's that emotional thing of, if you start struggling at three o'clock in the morning because you're tired and you're getting a bit, I mean, I've done it. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm a bit irritable. I just, I, can't, I feel like I've, I've done, I don't know, 20, 21, 22 miles and I'm really struggling. You've got somebody there to go, oh, come on, Matthew. You've only got four or five miles to go. Come on, come on, you can do it. Come on. Yeah. And pushing you along. When it's just you, you've got to find that reserve without having that emotional as well as practical crutch from somebody else. Um, and and yeah, it there's there's a certain there's a there's a, a balance between the two. And you think when you don't when you've done one completely by yourself, you think, Wow, I've got more in look emotional strength than maybe I gave myself credit for, uh, in, in a way. And it was it I I, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I was a bit nervous about whether or not I'd achieve it or not, but I did, thankfully. Um yeah, that was yeah, I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I thought I would like to do them again in the future, but of course the pandemic's kind of got in the way as well as just being a parent, and that takes priority at the moment. It always does, but um, when I'm older, I'd like, I, I probably want to do it again. Yeah, well, that's absolutely brilliant, and it's more stepping out of the comfort zone and also absolutely things about well. Anything where you can learn something new about yourself is um, as valuable as anything. Yeah, even if it doesn't feel comfortable at the time, it's worth doing. Yeah, hugely. What about you? What's what's another one for you? Oh, let me think now. I've got quite a few actually. They keep <laughs> popping into my head. Um, there was one. Oh, this <laughs> this is quite amazing, really. It was when um, you know it's it's difficult to get a job to find a job to get through the interview stage and all that kind of thing i think i think we can accept that but <laughs> there was a time when i was offered two jobs and they were both jobs i like the look of and wow i was working for um i was working at a children's home at the time but the children had all grown up they'd all got learning difficulties and so they were young adults by the time i was working there people with challenging behavior and things like that and um so there were two jobs I applied for. One of them was in a day centre for people with learning difficulties. And I didn't know I had a learning difficulty myself at that stage, <laughs> incidentally. And, uh, yeah, I was blissfully unaware of it. But um, it was working in a day centre and it was quite local to where I lived. And um, it was 
it looked really good. And I, I thought, yeah, I really quite like that. But then another one came up and it was in London. So it's a bit of a move. I would have to be down there during the week and then just go home at weekends. Mm. And um, But that was a really challenging one. And it was setting up a, a group home for four people, um, some of whom had lived in long-stay hospitals and um, a couple of them lived at home with their parents. But the idea was to take over this house, which was at the building snagging stage. So the first task was to go in and um, work out, had the building work been carried out to the right specification and then furnish it, put carpets and curtains, not in that order, obviously, the other right. way around, and um, then recruit staff to work in the house, um, get everything kitted out so that everything was there for people to live in and move the people in, set up staff rotors, all that kind of thing. So basically starting a group home from scratch. And I really, really liked the look of that one. So it just kind of had the edge over the day centre one. And I went for the interview at the day centre and they offered me the job there and then. And I thought, oh, gosh, I've got this interview on Wednesday, I think it was, a few days after. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to level with them. Okay. So I said, look, I do really like the look of this job, but I've got another interview I'm going to, and that just about is my first choice. So would you be prepared? <laughs> I thought nothing ventured, nothing gained at this point. So I said, would you be prepared to hold the job open until I've been finished. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I don't think, years ago, I would never have had the brass neck to do something like that. But by then, you know, I was already getting on. Well, no, I wasn't getting on. I think I was in my 30s, early 30s then. So yeah. I but, but I was getting to the point where I was just getting more confident. And I thought, well, I'm just going to be honest with them. I'm not going to tell them any lies or anything. And they, to my amazement, they said, yes, they would be prepared to hold the job open for me. And um, But I went for the interview for the second job, the one I really, really, really wanted, and I got that. So I had to contact the day centre and say, well, thank you so much for holding the job open, but I have got my first choice. And so I worked there for a while and got the house all set up. It was a fantastic job. I loved it. <laughs> And um, But I have to say, when it was up and running and staffed and people moved in and, and all of this, I did get to the point where I thought, really, I need another challenge. And that challenge came along in the form of son number one. <laughs> so, oh, so that, oh, that's how the timing worked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, but, but that was quite a moment thinking, wow, yeah, I can't believe I'm in this position where I can actually choose the job I want. So amazing. Yeah, and, and that is, I, I think that's a, a a relatively rare position to be in, isn't it? To actually think that that you're you're liked enough to be offered two jobs on the trot. But I think I think you know we generally people give themselves less credit than they are actually entitled to because I think a lot of time people are good enough for the job they want to go for. They just don't believe that they're good enough for the job they want to go for. Exactly, um, and actually having those conversations like you've just like you just described there, and being honest, oftentimes people will respect you more for being honest than for for just going. Oh, I won't ask. I won't say anything. I won't say anything. You know what? As you said, what have I got to lose? Exactly. What's going to happen? You know, I've been offered the job. I know I'm good enough. Let me talk to them. Let me, and they can see that I'm being honest with them. Yeah, without a doubt. 
And um, yeah, there was a, another situation which is definitely not one of my best moments, but um, years before that, um, I had applied for a job with an estate agent, which isn't really my cup of tea, to be honest with you, but I was looking for a job, you know, and jobs weren't so easy to come by at that time. And um, so I went for the interview. They said uh, that they would, they wanted flexibility, but it wasn't flexibility because it was sort of bending one way. It wasn't a two-way, you know, to me, flexibility uh. is... You know, if, if they want something from me, then they ought to be prepared to give something back, you know, with regard to the hours I'd be working. Yeah. Um, so I decided during the course of the interview that I didn't actually want the job. You know, it wasn't quite what I'd hoped it would be. They offered me the job on the spot and I turned it down. I <laughs> politely turned it down. But then a few days later, I had a letter through the post telling me I'd been unsuccessful in my, <laughs> in my interview. No. Yeah, I'm not joking. So that was not one of my best moments by any stretch, but quite funny. That is, that is, I mean, it's, it's appalling, but kind of brilliant in a weird kind of way as well. Yeah. Because, because you know, that's not, I mean, that's no comment, that's absolutely no comment on you. That's a comment on them as a, as a, as a business, as an organisation, how they work. Yeah, I was very glad I turned it down because I thought, hmm, yeah, okay, I think I've got the measure of this particular lot. <laughs> yeah, clearly they uh, uh, have a certain way of acting and behaving. Yeah, naff off. <laughs> Unscrupulous is the word that springs to mind. Unsc- yes, that's, that's, a, that's a diplomatic way of putting it, yes. Yeah, yeah. probably better than me saying naff off. Yeah, apologies for that, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. You can say naff off as much as you like in those kind of circumstances. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So, um, I'm just thinking, actually, I've got I've got more where this came from, best moments. So I don't know if you have. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, have we got enough to chat about it in another episode, do you think? Or I, I think we... so. I think we might have. We could do, we could do a, a, a part two. I think we're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> so on that happy note... Um, you can kick off next time, so I know it's your turn, really, so you can start the next one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> on that happy note, um, this is the end of Best Moments Part 1, and um, we look forward to doing Part 2 and seeing you then. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from her. Bye. Bye. Bye.